Yeah, who this sound like? Yeah, we dropping the mic, mic. Yeah, all in your timeline. Uh, all in your mind, mind. Whoa, cover the court out of brine. I'm the greatest, no debate. Yeah, cover the field with a rhyme. Dropping the mic at they place. Yeah, who this sound like? Yeah, we dropping the mic, mic. Yeah, all in your timeline. All in your mind, mind. Cover the court like LeBron. I'm the greatest, no debate. Yeah, cover the field with a rhyme. Dropping the mic at they place. Yeah, dropping the mic like I'm feels. I could care less how you feel. Yeah, discussing the new deals. On the stand, we keep it real. Yeah, hot takes too. Yeah, uh, we gon' let it brew. Uh, yeah, we all in the news for keeping it real and keeping it true. What's up and welcome back. It is Dropping the Mic, the realest sports talk show, period. I am LaRon Fields. I got my guy Brent Wilson. We in this thing is 2021 and we ready to let it all drop. We're going to stop with start with the drop. But first, Brent, how are you doing this fantastic January day in 2021? Man, I am doing great. It is 2021. COVID still messing up the sports world, just like in 2020. But the big thing is, hey, we're back. So let's have some well, fun talking sports. I digress. We're not back. We've been here. We've just been brewing and chilling and waiting to get this started because sports, like you said, has been interrupted by COVID. Uh, we just, you know, took a little hiatus. But we appreciate the love for everybody that was out there asking us when we're coming back, what we're thinking about certain topics, because there's plenty of talk to talk about. So let's get started. On fire. What's the hottest thing right now in sports? Can't nobody say anything but NFL. The playoffs, they don't last for long, so we got to talk about it. Starting off, Super car, super, car, super Wild Card Weekend, Brent. We had some teams that went into places, and I know one particular you want to talk about was Cleveland. They went into Pittsburgh two weeks in a row, one being Week 17 and one being Week week 1 of the playoffs, Super Wild Card Weekend. What are your thoughts on that game? So I talked to a couple of my friends, right, because you know – Everybody from hearing me know I'm a LeBron guy, right, in Akron. And so one of my friends from there, he's a Browns fan. So, I, you know, I got a little group of Browns fans. I'm not a Brown fan, right, but they are. So I asked them. They're like, we're nervous. You know, we have to be here. But I'm like, the only thing y'all need to do is try to come out and punch Pittsburgh in the mouth. I said it jokingly, right? Like, hey, come out aggressive. Try to go up like 10-7 first quarter. Just get the nerves on, right? It's your first game in what, since what? Last time Browns in the playoffs. I don't even know. No, the last time. 17 years ago. Yeah, so, there you go. I'm like, punch him in the mouth, right? Come out aggressive. When that, when you say punch somebody in the mouth, Cleveland punched him in the mouth. 28 to nothing first quarter? That's punching somebody in the mouth. So I just love the way they came out. And I know they were on eggshells right in the third quarter, fourth and one, Pittsburgh down 12. I'm watching the game, and as a fan of football, I'm like, go for it. Roethlisberger had 13 completions in a row. The dude's on fire. They punt on fourth and one. Cleveland scores game over. I'm like, literally, you let Cleveland off the hook. I'm not saying they wouldn't have won, but you gave them a pass. And at that point, you took the momentum you had. What's an intangible in football? It's momentum, right? You can't coach momentum. You can't say, hey, we're going to get momentum at this part of the game. It just happens, right? And when you got momentum, you roll with it. And Pittsburgh took the momentum and punted it away. That's how I look at that game. So I hear you. And it's, I'm glad you got a group of little Clevelanders out there rocking with the Browns. That's not what I saw. What I saw was a Pittsburgh team that had zero fire, zero desire. And it all starts at the quarterback position. As the CEO of the team, and I said this before the game started, I told my group of friends that just love sports, and I said, this game won't be close. 
because Ben Roethlisberger is past done. He is a has-been and a has-won't-do-it ever again. That's the reason why they're not successful. So when you ask about the fourth and one, what was their running game looking like during that game? Non-existent, not very effective. It was an uneasy game. They had to make difficult throws, difficult catches to get momentum. Um, I'll tip my hat to Cleveland, but I can't even say Cleveland went out there and won that game. They were spotted four touchdowns on their end of the field. Like, that ain't hard to do, right? It's like it always reminded me of the Dallas uh, Cowboys-Cleveland game. Dallas spotted them some easy touchdowns, and then they went and took advantage of some other opportunities. I'm not taking anything away from Cleveland. They deserved the win. They got the win. It was more Pittsburgh was terrible than Cleveland was great. That's what I'm going to sit with, and that's what it is. To me, one of the most intriguing games – or let's do this. Let's piggyback. Since we're going to bad losses, and I believe Pittsburgh had a bad one, Seattle versus L.A. Now, you want to talk about disappointments. If you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, you got to be disappointed. You lost to a Rams team that started John Walford that didn't play Aaron Donald the majority of the game. Your offense was so inept, you couldn't protect your quarterback, you couldn't get the running game going. It was atrocious, and it was a home game. And I know some people are going to say, well, they didn't have the 12th man. It doesn't matter if you had the 15th man. You couldn't protect your quarterback. It was snap, hut, sack. Snap, hut, rush out the pocket. So for me, those two games, those two teams, Cleveland and Seattle, really let down a big egg. Yeah, even more than it, – it, it did let me down. It just surprised me, right? Because uh, it made me laugh when I was watching it, right? Because I'm like, all year, me and Laurent, we go back and forth on air. We, we want y'all to give us feedback. I put my foot in my mouth on Russell Wilson to start the season. The dude was just torching. I'm like, come on, Russell. You have some games where I'm like, hey, see, sometimes he's overrated. He does this. But he didn't do that. He was just consistent. Then late in the season, you know, he slowed it down a little bit. And then to see him go out in, what, 11 for 27, uh, just to have it. I mean, he had a bad game. But, like, it wasn't his fault when you get – and you don't have time to throw, but that's when I expect him to be super rushed, right? Make these plays, scramble, make something happen. And just watching the whole thing, right? He couldn't get going. Receivers couldn't get going. Cam Makers killing him. Shout out Florida State. I'm watching him kill him. Surprised me. I, it just caught me off guard because Seattle, one thing they do that I, if you look over here, they really don't beat themselves, right? You mm -hmm. may make some plays, but I watch them beat themselves on just pure executional things they always do. So that's, that's the disappointment there is just watching them not execute on the level they always do in the big moments. That's what Russ is built for. That's what the name, right? Super Russ and everything. Dangerous. Dangerous. In the playoffs, this man is special. So watching them just kind of be less than normal, less than average was was disappointing. Well, they definitely have some offseason things they got to kick around. They got to upgrade tight end, upgrade the O-line. That's been a constant for the past four years for them. What's funny, though, and I don't mean this to be comical, but both uh, Pittsburgh and Seattle, they're seeking new offensive coordinators. So that tells you a lot. Uh, the head coaches weren't happy about the offensive efficiency from the coordinator position, so they, they'll be replaced. Uh, the most boring game of last week definitely was New Orleans versus Chicago. That was a yawner. Um, the Baltimore-Tennessee game was intriguing, right, because that's the game that last year Tennessee went into Baltimore and tripped them up, so Baltimore and Lamar Jackson returned the favor. The Indianapolis-Buffalo game was intriguing because you got – a back-and-forth kind of game. You had two teams battling it out, and Buffalo found a way to win. And then you had the Tampa Bay at the Washington – or playing Washington football team from the worst division of all of football. But Washington competed. Um, they didn't just have enough – they didn't have enough talent to actually get a, get a win. But they did 
put up a, a fight, so I can give him that. Yeah, no, I'm with, I like that one actually. That, that was what I was gonna say. Washington didn't come out and lay an egg, right? They 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 perform at a level that the best they could do what they had, right? I mean, we knew so I mean, we knew they weren't gonna win, right? I mean, I was pretty sure. I mean, nobody guaranteed to lose, but that was like, hey, that's pretty much a loss unless Brady comes out and looks forty whatever and throws interceptions and plays bad. But if not, that's a win. New Orleans. I'm not gonna talk about that. They just took forever to get the game over when we knew Chicago. If you got Mitch Trubisky starting in your quarterback, you're not winning a playoff game. Leave it there. Um, the one that was good though, I was impressed with Baltimore's run defense. They made Derrick Henry look super regular, right? I mean, slowed him down. You could see the coach having to try to motivate him. He's frustrated because he can't bust big runs. I usually don't see him put his head down, right, on the sideline because he just kind of stays ready. Baltimore had a game plan on defense and they, they stuck to it. And I was surprised to see Henry get slowed down that much. So, but a hey, revenge game, right? And hey, shout out Lamar Jackson, got that first playoff win, get that off your back. Baker Mayfield, first playoff win. Josh Allen, first playoff win. That's the, all the same draft class. Yeah, well, you know, that's cute. But now we go to the real week, right? Now we're in the divisional round. This is the game to get you to your conference championship game. And let's start with the game that you just, kind of alluded to that's going to be intriguing right same draft class we have baltimore at buffalo how do you how do you see this game going down brent so of course i'm not a buffalo bills guy right because they took my patriots division but uh i mean if i'm looking at, i mean i like lamar jackson i like what he bring it's going to be snowing in buffalo the weather's going to be tough ball's a little slippery i don't think baltimore's built i mean i know they play in snow and everything right it's cold there too but Buffalo, New York is a di different cold. I just don't think they're built to go beat Buffalo at Buffalo right now. I think Josh Allen had a better season. I mean, I don't think that's even a thing, right? We all saw he had a better season. Stephon Diggs is special right now. He led the league in receiving, right? Dude's been, he's been money. You've been able to depend on him. So I just think they have a better chemistry than what they built. Plus the home game. I don't know if the Baltimore is happy just to get that first playoff win for Lamar Jackson. I think Buffalo actually thinks they can win the whole thing. So I think Buffalo going to win that one. I agree. Um, I'm 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 impressed with I'm not impressed with Josh Allen because I knew he could do this. And I'm not saying that I know everything, but I know when he was coming out, I said Cleveland should draft Josh Allen for one of two reasons. One, there is something about a cold weather college quarterback going to a cold weather team and being able to spin the ball in that. And Josh Allen can do that. And he has some athleticism so he can run and get you some touchdowns or first downs or make the defense think right so i get lamar jackson who can run but it's not effective when that's all you can do is run and i'm not sold on his offensive coordinator calling a game in the weather conditions against a decent buffalo defense on their home turf and it's a night game so i i don't see buffalo losing this game and i don't see baltimore making it even competitive even though the line is two and a half in favor of buffalo I'm thinking Josh Allen's going to have a field day because once you get four or five stops and Baltimore's offense stalls, it's over. It's a rip. All right, next game. Uh, L.A. at Green Bay. Another cold-weather game. What's your thoughts on this one? So, I mean, obviously after the – Aaron Rodgers stayed consistent, right? We, we give Aaron Rodgers a hard time for just – the dude gets a lot of credit, right? He kind of reminds me of LeBron after one championship, right? And I'm, I don't do we talk bad about LeBron, but we just crowned LeBron with one ring, right? And we're like, no, you got to do some more. 
Aaron Rodgers kind of is that guy, right? We every year we're like, Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Aaron Rodgers is this. Aaron Rodgers is that. Because the stats are amazing. Just like LeBron when he get a triple double and a loss and you called him out for it, right? That's Aaron Rodgers. The stats are there. So I'm hey, this year though, he was consistent and he was winning with it. So I mean, I didn't think the Rams would be here, right? I was like, hey, Seattle, Green Bay, if that was the matchup, whatever, right? Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers. But we didn't get that. So I don't even know if the Rams supposed to be here. They they won because Seattle was terrible, right? They shouldn't really be here. If Green Bay come out and just do what they're supposed to do, I think this is, should be an easy win for Green Bay. Yeah, it's scary because it's almost like they got the, Green Bay did what they had to do in the regular season. They went 13 and three. They got the first round by. They end up getting the Rams. I don't think it would have mattered if they got the Rams or the Seahawks. Both of them were wounded ducks. It's another place that has cold weather. Luckily, this is a day game. I don't see this being close at all. I'm glad it's a day game so I can skip it. Don't have to be locked into it. Um, but I will be locked in that Buffalo-Baltimore game. Next up, on Sunday, we have Cleveland at Kansas City. And there's a lot of hubbub about this one, right? Because you talked about hype. And there's a quarterback on the team we're about to talk about Cleveland that gets way too much hype, right? He's He's been... He's been put into a managerial role in Cleveland to hand off the ball and make certain throws. But now people make it seem like, oh, he's a he's a quarterback. He's arrived. No, he's a game manager. And we're going to use this word, word for him because he's been managing the game. When he keeps it within himself, when Stefanski in the offense corner, uh, Alex Van Pelt, keep the game heavy run, bounce with some efficient passing, okay, he doesn't beat you. However, I don't know if that's going to be enough this week against Kansas City. On the flip side, Kansas City does start slow. They didn't play their starters in week 17. They got the bye week. So Cleveland may jump out early and not be able to finish fast. What What do you think? I'm with you 100%. So Baker, right, like you said, he gets a lot of credit. He's been getting Peyton Manning type credit with commercials and everything, right, without winning. So, I mean, if you look at Cleveland's makeup, right, the offensive coordinator, head coach, everything, right, they have the talent to be competitive, right? We all, we all get that, right? But – I don't believe they are hungry to the point where like beating Pittsburgh was personal, right? It was kind of like Ohio State for Clemson, right? They really want to be Clemson. Yeah. That's personal. I think their first playoff win since what, 94, whenever. I think they're, I hate to say it, I think they're happy to be here more than like we deserve to be here type of mentality. And Kansas City's like, this is the first game to our Super Bowl trip, right? We know what we got to do. We know what happened last year when the Titans jumped out on us when they were about 17 or 20 something. We don't want to start slow. And if we do, we can come back because we got Mahomes and we got the system and the offense and all the weapons everywhere. So, I mean, I want Cleveland to keep it competitive. I just think Cleveland's happy to be here. And this is business for Kansas City at this point. So I think Kansas City, pretty comfortable, 10 or more at least. I mean, I think the thing is, Cleveland's going to keep it competitive because they have a running game, right? And when every time you're running game, you can control the clock. So that's where Cleveland keeps it closer than it's not going to be a blowout. I just don't see them finishing the second half strong. Um, that's just me. The, now, the game of the week to me is this right here, the epic trilogy of New Orleans versus Tampa. Tampa travels to New Orleans for the second time this season. Uh, Tampa is 0-2 versus New Orleans. But you know, like I know, if you've ever watched sports, it's hard to beat a team three times. It's just hard. Film don't lie. Uh, Tampa can make more corrections. They can give different looks. New Orleans has, in my opinion, all the pressure on them 
because they've already beaten Tampa. They're expected to beat Tampa. It's at home. And we already know that the Saints, right, are not that good in the playoffs at home. They've lost to the Vikings. Uh, they've just they've lost some some bonehead games at home in the playoffs. And I hate to say this, but I think Tampa beats them this time at home in the playoffs. Drew Brees rides off in the sunset finale. Curtain call. I'm with you. I'm actually going Tampa Bay. I mean, I always want to see Brady do well. The Patriots don't, right? Of course, just because of the Patriots connection. But like you said, it's, it's a lot of pressure, right? The first thing, everybody knows sports. Everybody listening knows sports, right? It's hard to beat somebody three times. You made it clear. It's clear as day. That's a clear point. Also, the way they won the second game, right? I think it was at Tampa. I can't remember. It was 38 to 3. It, I know it was that. at Tampa. It was, it was at when Tampa. You beat a team that bad, that leaves a sour taste in one team. And then the team that won can't take anything from it, right? You want to, but it, it was nothing to take from that. A, a good tight game, you can learn from it, you know, something. But this game, it was nothing for them to learn from. And it gives Tampa Bay all the motivation, like you said, nothing to lose on the road, expected to lose. I feel like they're going to come out firing. And I think the pressure, like you said, New Orleans in the playoffs, we've seen it. And Michael Thomas just got back. You know, dude's a star, but he just got back. The connection's not all the way there like they would typically be. I just think, I think the course are favoring Tampa Bay, and I think they win a close one. Well, yeah, and Tampa's weapons are all clicking now, right? You got um, Antonio Brown is clicking. Godwin's clicking. Mike Evans is clicking. Gronk here and there. You got Leonard Fournette grooving. Ronald Jones grooving. You got, you know, everything's just grooving. So, um, and it's not, they're not a Ferrari, but they're definitely a luxury car. So, New Orleans defense has their hands full. To me, I'm more skeptical of the offense because I just sometimes Drew Brees in big games hasn't been that dude in like six years since they won the Super Bowl. So I'm putting this one on Drew Brees. If he really wants to keep playing, he better win this game because this is his last shot. All right, the Buccaneers winning. That's what you should be saying. My Buccaneers are winning. Well, That's they're not. They're saying. they're not my Buccaneers. They're just Tampa's Buccaneers because I'm not a Buccaneers fan. I thought we covered this in the very first episode. I'm not a Buccaneer fan. Always a fan. Negative Ghost Rider. I'm a fan of the NFL. On to conspiracy theories. Since Brent's trying to create one, I got one for you, Brent. So, I'm of the opinion that the New York Jets did not want to earn the number one draft pick because they would have been forced to take Trevor Lawrence. What do you think about this conspiracy theory? Think about that, right? I mean, since Trevor Lawrence walked on the campus of Clemson, we, they crowned him, right? This is the best quarterback that ever come out. He's going to be one of the greatest when he comes out. After year one, like whenever he comes out, whoever has the number one pick has to get him. We've heard it all, right? So mm -hmm. think about that kind of pressure. Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie. Have we ever stopped talking about the Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie thing? It's yeah, everywhere, right? Because then it went to Kevin Durant. Stuff. It went to Kevin Durant and Greg Oden. Like, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> so th those franchises, you never get like it. Don't matter if, even if it was you. This the proper evaluations. You like, well, Lawrence. When you put him in certain situations, he may not be that guy. But when somebody has this kind of hype coming out, like a Durant, a Jordan, this guy, you have to pick him because if 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 the world's correct, right? Everybody's right that this is the guy, and you don't pick him, you're you're infamous for the rest of history, right? It doesn't go away. The Durant Oden thing will never go away, and Oden has to deal with it. It's not his fault. Never going away. Sam Bowie Jordan never going away, right? So I don't think the Jets want to be in that position because if they evaluate and see, hey, this may not be the best pick for us, the world says it's the best pick. 
and you don't want that kind of pressure. So I, I agree they did not want the pressure of having to pick Lawrence. Well, two things I see on this, right? I think the, there's more value at being number two, and this sounds crazy, because, no, yeah, you avoid Lawrence, right? And, I, and we'll do a full talk about this leading up to the draft. I'm not sold on the guy. I think he's been anointed, but I also think he's been overrated and overhyped at the same time. You, if you sit at number two, right, in the Jets position, you have Sam Darnold as a quarterback. you got several options. You can draft a, a lineman to help protect him. You still have another pick in the in the uh, first round, so you have two picks in the first round. You could trade, potentially, trade Darnold, right, draft one of the other quarterbacks, and then still build the team up from there. It's also going to hinge on the new coach, but I really feel like there's something to this. Like, you know, because they won two games, right? All it is, they won two games, and nobody could understand why they won them. We get it. Players don't tank. Teams do. But still, it's kind of like, if there's ever a time, if this is the golden child, if there's ever a time to be in the first spot, this is it. This isn't one of those years where you're like, uh, I got the number one pick and the best player available is not that good, right? Like this isn't the Alex Bennett draft that the Cleveland had to get when they won the first pick and drafted him and like that flopped and very quickly. So I think there's something to it. Now, don't believe the hype. Who, who who are you most likely not to believe the hype of? Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, or Trey Lance? I mean, I, just kind of off the previous conversation, I got to go with Trevor Lawrence as the one that I don't believe the hype. But like you said, he's been anointed. So this dude is, I mean, I, I hate to say it because it's not this kind of hype, but he got the LeBron coming out of right, the chosen one, all that. They He got the kind of expectation, like, if you don't draft him, you're missing the best pick in the, in the last, what, 20 years, the way they acted. So... What is his what is his expectation? The dude is expected to come in, take a team, even a terrible team, and drop 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean, I'm making up numbers, but you know what I mean. They're expecting this mm -hmm. dude to walk in and be amazing. No learning curve, nothing. They think what he did at Clemson with a five-star receiver, the five-star offensive line, five-star tight end, and, and Etienne and running back is going to happen in the NFL. It's a learning curve. So he can't match the hype. So it's overhyped because – the way we talk about him, it's like he's going to walk in maybe in the Super Bowl. And I mean, not even close to realistic. Look, I, I, I can agree with your assessment there, right? Um, for me, it goes back to how he got his starting gig, right? When Dabble Swinney, another guy I really am not a fan of, kicks Kelly Bryant to the curb to start the freshman. And yes, he wins the national championship of the year, but yeah, it was a loaded team, right? It's not like he walked in there and it was bare cupboard and they, and they win. Um, for me, I'm not going to believe the hype on Mac Jones because I've seen this story one time too many. Dude has an immaculate season, but he also had immaculate players. He was protected. You saw the national championship game. They only touched that man one time. And the rest, he was like reading. He made reads from left to right to left. It was amazing. He had all the time in the world. So I don't want teams to jump up and think Mac Jones is the second coming of Peyton Manning. I, I also have to go with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance because people out there talking about, oh, the Jets could take Zach Wilson if it's over Justin Fields. I'm like, whoa, whoa, this dude played at BYU. He played a FCS schedule pretty much all year, and that don't say much because his junior year, he had a tough season when they played FBS-level competition. Trey Lance, who also is in the FCS, only played FCS, and then this year he only played one game and struggled to throw the ball. So I'm not believing the hype on any of these quarterbacks. I do believe in Justin Fields. 
I think he is a cut above the rest. Um, because when I watch him play, I feel that the team wins because of him, not in spite of him or not just because he's there. Feel me? I feel like he's a bigger game impact. So I'm not believing the hype on all these other quarterbacks. Stats of truth, Brent. Stats. We know the record. Green Bay's 13 and 3. I need to know is it true or not? Are they primed to win the Super Bowl this year? I mean, I would love for Aaron Rodgers, right? Fourth legacy hey, to go ahead and get another one, make it happen. You look good. But what has Aaron Rodgers showed us multiple times in the playoffs? And I mean, the team, the roster's better, right? He has some receivers. Devontae Adams is a, is, a, is a machine, right? He's solid. I love uh, Jones, Aaron Jones off the backfield. I, I, I like I like the team, right? But and and Aaron Rodgers is a great, great quarterback, right? He's gonna be an all-time great when he I'm not saying he's like top five, but I'm saying he's gonna be a legend when he finishes, right? He the dude's solid, but you know, when you have a person that just makes you feel like, hey, you're not going to win the big game just because you may find a way to make a mistake or cost them a game. I just don't know if I can put that trust in uh, Aaron Rodgers. And especially if he's going against somebody like the Chiefs and him and Mahomes going back and forth, I'm going to trust him to make, I'm going to trust Mahomes and not make a mistake before Aaron Rodgers does if they get to that point. Well, for me, I'm not a fan of the discount double check. He's another one of those kids that they anointed as Jesus. And he don't even know what scripture and chapter verse the Bible starts and ends with. So for me, he's primed to make it to the Super Bowl. I don't, I can't say he won't be able to win it because two things, right? If you're going against the Chiefs, I think their defense isn't that tough. Um, so if there's a year, this is the year that he absolutely could win it. I don't want it to happen. But the truth of the matter is we better come to the reality that Aaron Rodgers may get his second chip. And that's going to cause all kind of issues because they drafted Jordan Love. He's going to want to re-up. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm already embracing it now. I don't want to. Matter of fact, I don't even want to see the colors green and gold versus red and white. But I'm embracing the possibility. Everything's in his favor. They got the home field advantage. So they have everybody coming to their place. And you know how hard it is to win the Lambeau Field. That's an automatic, automatic, automatic ticket to Tampa. Whoever they, they face... Go ahead. They don't have the fans, though. So, Lam I mean, Lambo's Lambo. They're not going to have a four. Uh, they don't need the fans. It's cold in Lambo. Like, think about it. L.A., Josh, look, Jared Goff can't play in cold weather. You get Tampa. If Tampa wins, Tom Brady oh, can. Yeah. I, I get that. I'm saying he can, but it's still in Green Bay. Don't get it twisted. If New Orleans, if New Orleans beats Tampa, we know that ain't going to happen. They ain't winning outdoors in no Lambo field. So, I'm just saying, we what – it, it's a good chance, though. I'm saying this is his best and last chance to get it done. I'm not. I said I didn't want to see it. I said that this is a, if there's a chance. If you're if you're an Aaron Rodgers fan or Packers fan, this is the year that you should make it. Think about last year. They were 13 and three. They they beat the Seattle Seahawks in their first game. Then they go to San Francisco and get beat down. That's not happening this year. They're at home. They're not going to get beat down. So they they're it's it's set for them. Yeah, so if you're right. if you're listening to this, you're a Packers fan, you may not be able to get to the Super Bowl, but you better get to a sports book and put your money down and, and, and go home and get your annual investment. Um, that's how that's working. Talking about pressure, we know Aaron's under pressure to beat the labels and whatever, but we also have some newly added pressure in basketball, Brent. There's this team, the Brooklyn Nets. They went all in. They 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 literally put themselves under the microscope. How much pressure are the Brooklyn Nets under? 
this the I laugh when I see this because people are really hype about it, and I and I get it, right? I get it. You took three excellent scores, right? You took probably the best anywhere in this seven foot shooter we've ever seen. The way Kyrie can handle the ball in James Harden ISO game, we get it, right? I, I get it. It's entertaining. It's a beautiful paper team, right? We all know what paper teams are, right? The hey, NBA 2K. Oh yeah, give me three dudes in ISO. It's a beautiful thing. All that sounds good, but do you not understand? You had Kyrie. I'm not even going to talk about how crazy Kyrie is. We all get it, right? We 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 all know sports. We hear the people talking, telling him to retire. Well, the dude, Kyrie, mine is on a different level than anybody's, and that's not in a good way, right? Dude's crazy. But look, a couple points, right? Kyrie did not want to sacrifice for LeBron James. He did not. He went to Boston, caused them headaches. with the, When they made, they gave him everything he wanted. He didn't want that. He went to Brooklyn. Uh, James Harden. He couldn't play with Westbrook. Westbrook couldn't play with him. Westbrook, everybody want to give him give him a hard time, right? How he is. He couldn't play with Harden because Harden had so much control of the organization. So you're saying Harden is saying, "Hey, I ran Houston right into the ground." That's where he ran him at. But he ran him right. I'm gonna go to the Nets and be a third option and just sit back and play my role. Be realistic. And then we always, you know, everybody like, "Oh, Durant, he sacrificed." But did he though? He did not sacrifice for Westbrook at all. Let's make that clear. He went to Golden State. They already had it established. He couldn't walk in and take over that team. He had Steph and Clay. That was already the team leads. They already did their thing. So he just took a role, and they gave him the superstar role pretty much, right? Yeah, and they took the step back. Uh, both of them did for him. Curry and Clay, you know, both they both of them for him, right? Yeah, he, and both of them had a, both of them are very unselfish. You watch Curry. Curry's unselfish. He'll pass the ball to anybody. Curry's a team guy. Clay's, you know, a team guy. They knew the benefit of Durant. They wanted to win. They hated that loss to LeBron in Cleveland. So they they all they they bought into it. You put this together on the run with three personalities that has always been alphas. And when have they ever really sacrificed for the greater good? If you can give me a great example, they don't. So Never. This is not built to work. Let's just be honest. If you break it down, it's not built to work. And they don't. And no big besides DeAndre Jordan and no bench. Well, listen, uh, um, since you took all the time and took all the points, uh, you just pulled a Harden and a KD and a Kyrie. That's a great example, people. Just take all the points for yourself. And then, oh, here, here's here's uh, game almost over. Here is a layup. Anyway, the best word I can say is toxic. First off, I'm going to take a one. Luckily, you know, I'm a little savvy. You left a little meat on the bone. Let's go back to the other part. Your coach is Steve Nash. He don't know what he's doing. Uh, I've been watching. This man sat down more as a coach on the bench than any coach I've ever seen. You too young and too new to be sitting sitting down. You need to be standing up and pretending you're barking out plays or something. That's one. Two, Kyrie is a head case. Let's just call it what it is. He needs to go get evaluated ASAP. You heard what Stephen A. said. He needs to retire. Shannon Sharp echoed those same sentiments. I've I've been off the Kyrie bandwagon when he left Cleveland as if he could do things by himself. He forgets he was in Cleveland and LeBron came back to help him and re resurrect his situation. That happened. You mentioned the Boston. Now in Brooklyn. KD, he's personified punk amongst everybody in the NBA because, look, he's free to move wherever he goes, but your actions have consequences. I had this conversation today. I cannot give KD clutch points or credits for what he did in golden state because like you said it wasn't his team he just put them over the top they already had a chip without him so for me when you and then here's what here's where punk itis comes back up you leave the very organization that helped you get your first chip to go to brooklyn like what 
what are they going to do for you? And then you team up with Kyrie. What is that going to do for you? You let you pretty much sacrifice Westbrook and, and left him hanging to go join another dude who's doing the same thing to you. All I got to got to say is karma is a dish best served cold and it's cold in Brooklyn and it's going to stay that way. Those three cannot co coalesce together, coalesce together. You you hit on the head. They have DeAndre Jordan as a big Jared Allen. You got rid of and you get rid of Karis Levert. That's crazy. Spencer Dinwiddie's hurt. Now they do have some serviceable guys, Larry Shamit, Caribou. Like they're not. When I, I'm not saying this to juxtapose what I'm saying, but I'm saying it to say they have some guys who can play a role. But I'm not building a house on it. That's. But you know why it's gonna work, right? <laughs> you listen to people, right? You know why. I'm using air quotes here because they're good friends. Well, it don't matter. So uh, that's what they told me about Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And and Russell Westbrook couldn't get out there fast enough. That yeah. man was like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Um, look, we'll see. The only saving grace is the Antonis there. But I see no defense in this squad whatsoever at all. You have I, – I just don't see it. I, I think the Nets hit the panic button. That's enough on pressure. The Do they make the finals? I want your, I want no, your no. Okay. Um, no. Okay. So they may make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't think they're yeah. good enough to beat whoever they face. Uh, okay. We talked about pressure. Now we're talking about who's shining. Brent, we watched the National College football game on Monday, and I don't know about you, but I walked away highly impressed by Devonte Smith. This young man is the Heisman Trophy winner. It. I can't remember the last time a receiver won. A Heisman was it Desmond Howard yep. um, and he wasn't even a receiver he was an athlete so this young man went out on the biggest stage and he showed everybody why he was a Heisman and he did it in a half he ended up dislocating a finger but he entered the first half ended the first half with 12 catches 215 yards and three touchdowns and they were all pretty this man is shining that man is special period he's special Think about it. How tall is he? About what? Six foot, maybe. Maybe with cleats on. 175 pounds. So is he? Is he the biggest? Nope. He said it in his speech. I may Are not be the biggest. biggest. Not the strongest. He not gonna go six for you and jump over you like a Randy Moss type player, right? He's not gonna Calvin Johnson. He's none of those guys, right? So what? Is, what makes him special? That dude, the work, right? Hard runs routes precisely. Mm -hmm. Dude goes up and high points the ball with his hands. If he touch it, he catching it. The only one I seen him drop was the one he hurt his finger on when he when he stumbled, the ball bumbled, and he got that's. Oh, he, he got, got hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the dude that he runs routes perfectly, high points the ball, and he always consistently runs the right routes. If you watch him, he always creating spaces. His footwork is precise. You know what that means? Like he said it. Like the hard work got me here. He didn't get a pass. Dude didn't come out like, oh, I'm six four, two twenty with a forty inch vertical. You know, I'm not. I'm not that guy. But my work ethic makes me that guy. I respect him. I loved it. Dude he reminds he reminds me of the modern day Jerry Rice. That's exactly what that performance looked yes. like. I mean, just going across the middle. They put him. In, he can excel at multiple positions. So that that's that's the way that's working for me. Hey, we talked about the NFL playoffs, right? Let's get down to brass tacks NFL business. There's some decisions that have to be made. There are seven NFL head coaching spots. Of the seven, which coach do you feel like got fired too early, Brent? I thought Anthony Lynn deserved more time. Let me make okay. sure he's the Chargers coach, right? I'm not. Yeah, LA Chargers. He I'm was. Like, I'm making make sure I'm on point. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, Herbert was getting his start right. Dude was solid. We talked about it, right? Taylor got injured early, even if his own team or whatever. Early? How about the, the? He didn't even make it to the season. <laughs> didn't even. So, I mean, you bring in a rookie quarterback, right? 
you lose Ekilor with a torn hamstring for a lot of time, right? They were solid. They was competitive. Duran James was injured before the season started. Duran James, yeah, they all Pro Bowl safety. Didn't Something play. about that Florida State body ain't holding up in the NFL anymore. I hate it for him. The dude is special when, he, when he's there. But he is. what you say, your biggest thing is being availability, right? Availability so, is your yeah. best ability. Exactly. So, I mean, I just thought he was building something with the injuries, with everything. I thought they had an opportunity to get better, and I don't think it was anything he was doing wrong. So that one stunned me a little bit. Well, well, see, I feel the same way, but a lot of people are like, oh, his game management, and we lost so many close games. But his first two years, he had those same games, and he won them. I thought he deserved one more year because that team has been in purgatory as far as injuries. Uh, You had the unfortunate holdout from the running back the year before. You had receivers go down. You've had defenders go down. Bosa got hurt. Like, it was just a hodgepodge of a lot of mess. And, yes, they lost some games and there was some mismanagement. But I think him and Doug Peterson fall in the same category. They were snake-bitten by other people's desires. Um, For me, I thought Doug Peterson deserved one more year. He just won a Super Bowl three years ago. But that one came down to a clash between ownership Everybody else, they they got too long on the job, in my opinion. <laughs> like Dan Dan Quinn should have been fired way long ago. Matt Patricia should have been fired. Bill O'Brien should have been fired. Uh, Adam Gay should have been fired. Doug Marone, they just hung him around. Like he should have been fired. But the, all this to say, like we got all these openings, and it's it's very intriguing. Like some of these new candidates we're hearing about: Arthur Smith, the OC from Tennessee; Robert Salah, DC from. Defense coordinator from the 49ers. Um, does Doug Peterson get another shot? Will Eric Benemy, Eric Benemy get another interview or get an interview? And that we'll talk about that because you're Texans, right? I know you're Patriots fans, but they feel like Texans South. I don't understand this organization. You you hire a firm, right? To Corn Ferry to to find you a coach, you pay them 200 grand, they find you candidates that align with what your quarterback wanted, and you go pick a dude not even on their list, right? That That's just a head scratcher. Then you look at, okay, so who's going to get that job? Who's going to get Atlanta? Who's going to get the Jets? Who's going to, you know, who's going to get Detroit? Which, which domino has to fall first? We're now learning that Urban Meyer's in advance talks with Jacksonville. How do you feel about Urban Meyer becoming an NFL head coach? I I don't, it don't, it doesn't work. I mean, Nick Saban is, he's the greatest coach in college, right? Dude's special. He wasn't NFL special, right? I mean, I know. He wasn't bad. I know, I'm saying, I know he wasn't bad. It didn't work, but it wasn't what he is in college. Urban Meyer is not going to come here and be the Florida Gators with Tebow or come here and be Ohio State and they just come in here and be a, a game changer, right? I just don't see it. I mean, it's a whole different thing when you're talking to grown men and you're trying to motivate grown men and lead grown men and lead an organization where these dudes are getting paid millions, right? It's, it's just a different, it's a whole different balance in that, right? With the kids, they play for pride for a school. And let's be clear, they're always stacked, right? Florida, top recruiting classes. Ohio State, we don't even talk about their recruiting classes, right? So mm-hmm. you're working with the best talent. So you're never at a talent gap. Jacksonville is at a talent gap, right? You're playing against, you're going to be playing against better opponents. How do, when do you see a coach of his magnitude come in that is used to playing with – it's not like the Iowa State coach, right? You're playing against five stars and four stars when you was working with three stars. It's not that way. I just don't think that translates from college to NFL because it's just such – the dynamic is just so different. Here's where I disagree. The NFL is getting younger, and I keep hearing this over and over. This is why you see younger coaches being hired because it's more like college than it is the NFL. So I actually, if there's any – 
if there's any place where I think he can work, it is Jacksonville. Jacksonville reminds me of a college football team. They're always young. They're always replacing people. And I think you look at his track record. He's, he didn't start at the top and move around the top. He started at uh, FCS level, got to Utah, won there, went to Florida, and it exponentially blew up. Then he went to Ohio State and did the same thing. So he's a winner. He is the closest to Nick Saban we have. And I think the patience in Jacksonville, he's going to get Trevor Lawrence. It depends on who he hires as OC, right? Does he go and get Ryan Day as OC and now Ohio State's in limbo? Does he go get Tom Herman and becomes his OC, right? When Herman and and uh, Urban Meyer work together, their offense clicked. So there's, I, I see there's a lot of upside. And that's the one job I think, okay, that's cool. You go take that one. But when he was rumored for like the Chargers and other jobs, like, nah, I don't see that, Chief. I don't see him working there because there's a lot of veterans. So that's the issue. What about this scuttlebutt? I don't know if you've heard, but people are talking about Eric Bieniemy. Oh, he's not a good interviewer. And that's why he hasn't gotten a job yet. I think that, I don't, I, like I said, we're not in the interview room, right? So I, I don't know what he's saying, but sometimes what you say versus your actions speak enough, right? Look at the dude's offensive coordinating work with Kansas City. Who's calling those plays? Come on, Eric man. Bieniemy. They, see the, they see what this man's doing at a certain point. Hey, I guarantee if you tell me every coach that got hired had a great interview, we're, well, we're not. Yeah, I don't. I do not like the rhetoric, right? I do right. not like the rhetoric of somebody saying he's not a great interviewer. Dang it, his resume speaks volumes. Secondly, we've seen tons of coaches who can't speak get a job. Like, don't get that twisted. Like Jason Garrett got a job. He wasn't a good coach. But again, that's the nepotism of you know Godfather of his kids is a Jerry. He played for Jerry. You look what he did for the Giants. Absolutely nothing. So. Miss me with that. But also at the same time, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, which job do I want? I say the Chargers. You got a young quarterback that can move the ball around. Think about it, right? Right? They're not Kansas City, but look, you got Eckler, right? You got the running back that can be received off the backfield, right? Mm-hmm. You get Duran James back. You got uh, Keenan Allen. You got oh. weapons, right? You yeah. got weapons. His skill set is using kind of a good example, Sorskeesian, right? Mm-hmm. You said we, we you said early off here they he adapted his offense to his personnel and made it special. I think the enemy does the same thing. Like Mahomes is special, we get it, but the way he inter- interlocks all those weapons around Mahomes makes it look so special, right? I think the Chargers have the closest pieces so that he can use his offensive skill set to build that offense to be special. Agreed. Like I, I'm with you. LA's the best fit. Um, some of these jobs, like Atlanta's not a bad team right like that's not a bad one um i'm avoiding the texans all costs but the problem with the texan job is they're gonna hire somebody like joe brady from carolina who's a good offensive mind and maybe a good fit it's just unfortunate that carolina just hired him to be their oc and now is getting a head coaching job and that's what i hate to see in the league because we have bad management we give people opportunities too early and that's the problem with the texans you hang on to bill o'brien too long but then you go hire somebody who you miss an opportunity to get the enemy when your quarterback saying, I want Eric be enemy and you go hire, hire Joe Brady. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Uh, the shock for me is McNaggy retained his job in Chicago. They just got a new, they're getting a new defensive coordinator. Zach Taylor was being mentioned of not keeping his job. He will Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Uh, I have a few fr- fans or friends that are from Minnesota and they're not too happy with Mike Zimmer. Um, but um, their OC just retired. 
And so we'll see how that works. Kubiak retired, so they get a new OC. Maybe it turns things around. I know it's not going to change the war of Kirk Cousins, but they have Justin Jefferson. They got Adam Thielen. They got Dalvin Cook. Again, what's up with you Florida State Seminoles? Y'all get hurt every season for any reason. What they Devin doing in the weight room solid. down there? Devin, Devin uh, but he's he missed three games. But he was solid. Acres when he's solid. Healthy, he's solid. Yeah. Well, yeah. When everybody's healthy, they solid. Three games NFL is not that bad this year. This year was a little bit different. So well, when you're hey, talking fantasy, that's like a lifetime. Well, give right? us next year whenever. When give we have us a next everything. year. Everything. Florida State. Our NFL players will be okay. What about uh, Jalen Ramsey, our Pro Bowl DB? He was there. But he's a different beast. He's not. He really. He should have been a Miami Hurricane. He just happened to go to Florida State. He ain't, okay, you know, okay. that's how that works. <laughs> hey, speaking of coaches, we're in the college, right? Uh, Alabama just wins the national championship. Saban's the GOAT. He's beating Bear Bryant. He's taking over. Um, but they lose their OC, Steve Sarkeesian, to University of Texas. And this is intriguing, right? Because Texas had Herman because um, they didn't want to have Charlie Strong. They bring in Herman. Nothing changed. The needle didn't move. Success wasn't abound. They had the one big bowl game against georgia in the cot or sugar bowl we saw saw that meant nothing but this is intriguing because off air when we were talking about this you had the same initial reaction i had when i heard about it i was like ah, i don't know but the more i watched the more i thought the less i heard meaning this they hired sarkeesian overnight nobody complained nobody had a problem and he, it sounded like he kind of dictated some terms. He's already filling out his staff. I like his staff. And I think, right, if Sarkeesian really has that Midas touch, Texas has an opportunity to take the Big 12 by the horns, all puns intended. So what do you think about this, Brent? I'm with you. No, look, let me say this. Sarkeesian, he gets it, right? He gets it. He gets how to take advantage of offensive weapons and build a system around it. We know Something it. Texas lacked. It completely, completely lacked, right? They had that running back, and they, they had a B. lot. John Robinson, you had yeah. Brennan Eagles. And they just didn't use them right. So, Arkeesian, if you if you pay attention to like all the sports fans, right, we we, we have to see Alabama, right? They're, they're in the headline everywhere. He, Devontae Smith, role completely changed when Jalen Water broke his ankle because he was in a different – he used a whole different way. But it took him – one week to adjust that whole system around the players he had. He knows how to do it. He gets how to win. He gets how to take care of his players and put them in positions to succeed. So we didn't, like you said, we didn't hear things, right? We didn't hear the boosters go crazy. That was step one in the positive direction because the boosters go crazy every time in Texas. Texas and boosters, we get it, right? So they didn't go crazy. I'm with you. I like the staff he's putting together. So I just think if he has time, the key is time, right? He's going to have some games where he may not, where they may flop a little bit and everything while he builds his program the way he wants it. But if he has that, they have that patience with them. I think, like you said, they could take over the Big 12 the way Oklahoma kind of has taken it over lately. Well, one thing he said that, that really made me feel confident was he said when he talked, when he had the conversation with Del Conte, the uh, Texas AD, um, one thing that Del Conte had said is he liked the way he called plays. And so his comment was, yes, I'm calling plays. That's the one reason why they really liked me. I'm not relinquishing that power. I'm calling plays. So that's good, right? You got a head coach who knows exactly what's going to go down. It's on him. He's going to build it to succeed. This is his third head coaching opportunity. That's another positive, right? Yeah, he had to slip up at USC, but we're only human. He bounced back. Shout out to him and props to him. He's, he's straight. He's good, right? This is a perfect opportunity for the University of Texas and for Steve Sarkeesian. 
all you recruits, right? Quinn Ewers, we got to bring this up. I don't talk high school much, but I have to. The quarterback that flipped his commit from Texas to Ohio State. I wonder if he's going to think about that again because this young man's only a junior. Now, this he happens to be playing in the state championship this weekend. And so, and he just they just defeated one of the top teams in the state in Duncanville. Now they're playing Austin Westlake, Drew Brees, shout out to him, his former uh, high school, as well as Nick Foles. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if Steve Sarkeesian can win back some of those people because he's not a Texas guy. He's going to make some Texas ties really quickly, uh, keep the focus on what his imprint and blueprint will be on offense, and we'll see. But this leads us to another juxtaposed situation you get the feel good sarkeesians of the world and then you get those head scratchers of michigan what in the hell michigan are you thinking jim harbaugh back for four more years did you not get enough the first time around we've talked about this the only option i thought was to not renew his contract or fire him before it was up right that yeah walk away gracefully thing. right that's the only things i saw so only thing i can say is Michigan doesn't care about winning right now because what has Jim Harbaugh not done at Michigan? He hadn't, what has he, well, what has he won? Just what, regular he games. Win, he doesn't win recruiting battles. Nope. He doesn't win rival games. He doesn't win big 10 regular season or have they played the big 10 championship under him? I don't even know. They have so. not because they he hasn't beaten Ohio state. state. So if you gave him a five year extension, five years, you do not care about winning right now. The Michigan Wolverines don't care about winning. And that's just bottom line to me. They don't care right now. Let, let me play devil's advocate because this situation has happened before with Dabo Sweeney in the same position, same situation. It was about that fourth, fifth year last year in his deal. He made it pop. Deshaun Watson saved his career. So I'm going to go out on a limb playing devil's advocate and say maybe, because we, we talked about this off air as well. Sometimes schools are quick to fire coaches and then it, they missed the mark and they fired them too soon. I will go out and say that's the least I could think they were thinking is what do we have to lose? He's a Michigan guy. They've already had three coaches before him and it didn't work. How, bring it, What new coach would you bring in? I already had the suggestion. You go get Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. That helps you beat Ohio State because he knows how to beat Ohio State. He's an Ohio State guy. Um, but if you're going to stick with Jim in four years, we're going to know if somebody else is going to lose their job for making this decision. But Jim's got to do better. He Remember when he started out doing the most? Uh, we're going to go in SEC country and scrimmage. We're going to Ireland. He was all over the place. Like, he thought he was really doing stuff. He was sleeping in bunk beds with recruits, brothers. Like, man, you're doing too much. Like, that, that, that let me know. Uh, but Michigan's Michigan, right? Another topic we have for college football, way too early top 25. How do you feel about them? Well, this is the ESPN, right? They're coming out with who's the top 25 schools for next year. It, it means to me, why do we even make this top 25, right? Because nobody, they don't even know the real reason why they make this, right? You make the list with based off no proof because we don't know who's staying, right? All these juniors that you like, oh, this will make Clemson top two or Georgia top four. We don't know if they're staying. So the list doesn't make sense because we don't have enough backing behind it yet. It can be way too early in April, but, but in January, the night after the championship is over, that's we should have the list. I shouldn't even make this top 25 because it's, it's it doesn't do anything besides let recruits say, okay, yep, Clemson's there again. 
Alabama's there again. We don't have any proof why Alabama should be there because they, but they just win every time. We don't wait to see things play out to see who's leaving, who's staying. You know, you may see somebody say, oh, I'm just going to stay. And then you're like, oh, that's special, blah, 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 right? But we don't. We just throw it out there. So the recruits like, I'm going to Alabama. They're always in the top four, no matter what happens. Clemson, they're staying in the top four now, right? It doesn't help the other programs that are working hard on the recruiting trail when you put this false list out. Yes, these are kids. They're 17, 18 years old, right? They see this and they're like, oh, I'm going to school. We're going to be top 10 every year, no matter what, right? Because that's what this says. This list is top 10, no matter what, if you give it to them all the way in January. Well, you know, I'm with you and I agree. The only thing I could say is if you needed to do a list, do the list, but don't number it. Just say, here are the top 25 schools we think. Put it in alphabetical order because you're right. Like, nobody's made their full declaration. Secondly, they have, like, Clemson number one, and they're losing, like, 10 players. They're, they're, they're banking on the recruits that are the, the people who are supposed to step up and take over the DJU Lagley's, all that stuff. Like, okay, great. But that's just crazy to me. But that goes to a larger problem, right? This is what impacts the college football playoff. We've been in this thing for a while. There's only three teams that have been a constant. Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. A fourth team that's been constant has been Oklahoma. Who, these four teams have represented the mo most teams being in the, in the playoff every year. You've had one shot from Washington, one shot from Oregon. Uh, Florida State made it once, and that was when the, in the semifinal game. Uh, Notre Dame's made it two or three times. Uh, but it's, it's just it's unfortunate that when you look at the whole thing, we're down to the same four teams every year. And it's going to really make college a problem because now it's why do I, why, why do we play this game? Right now? And I hate the fact that the committee won't expand. They need to expand. The best fix to me is you go 12 teams and hear me out. It's going to be a little bit winded. You take the top 12 teams, right? The five power five conference champions. That's already a round of playoffs. You take those five teams Four of those five, get a bye week. The fifth best Power five conference has to play week one against the 12th best team. You can make the first round all campus games. You play on campus if you're worried about revenue. Then the following week, you start using the bowl system and you plug in the, the four teams that won the conferences and they play the lower seeds. You rank them, which one's actually number one, number two, number three, number four, and then you re-rank everybody uh, one through eight, and one verse eight, two verse seven, three verse six, four verse five, like the basketball tournament. Because the problem I'm having is you have schools like Cincinnati that do well, and but they can't get an invite. They're getting shut out because they're not a power five school. Um, it's either that or FCS schools, not FCS, sorry, group of five schools need to go create their own playoff. I agree with that. Uh, I had an eight team but your 12 actually make a lot more sense when you when you break down everything involved because mine would just get the five power five conference champions right mm -hmm. and you get uh one one at least one at, at large bid from like the ucfs uh the cincinnati's right get one of them in yeah a group of five if it's two group of five that deserve it put two in and then you get the a&m that got left out this year right mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. if you have texas doing really well you get them in right so you don't you don't have that Everybody says SEC bias is Alabama, and then they may get one more, like Georgia got in before, right? But yeah. you, now you make it comfortable with eight because you can get – you got three at-large, right? You got the top five. Then you can have a power five at-large, a, a group of five at-large, and then you can make that last option a group of five or power five at-large. So you got three outsiders that just got picked by – without even winning a conference championship. So you got three teams 
and it's, it's usually never more than three, right? You look at it, UCF has some questions, right? This year with Cincinnati, you know, we could have maybe went if Coastal Carolina or somebody like that that was undefeated, right? But mm-hmm. it's never more than three. I've never heard over the last, since it started five years ago, whatever, saying, man, we left out four teams, but I've heard like two teams, maybe three. So, I mean, the 12 is better. I'm, I'm on board with that. But at worst, it should be at least eight now, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I like that. The problem is what I was trying to accomplish is creating all the noise, meaning everybody's yeah. complaining. Because even at, even at eight, right, and you do the five power five conferences, right, that's five. The at-large is where it becomes a problem, right? Because the same thing. Who gets in? Because A&M got left out. Notre Dame went in. Notre Dame is usually not in the conference. Mm-hmm. So so that's where the issue they, – they already have these written rules where Notre Dame gets in if they're undefeated. So if they go undefeated again, and then you got a Cincinnati undefeated, and you got, a, you know, um, Florida. Florida could have made a case to go in. Right. So that's my issue is it with 12, you don't – if when you leave somebody out at 13 – they should have just won the game. There was a game they could have won. It's no, yeah, no but but at eight, we're still back at four because it's. But I only lost one game, and I lost. The, they went to the yeah. SEC championship game, and then they lost, and so or then that was their second loss, and you know all that good stuff. So now it it helps. Okay, you win your conference, you're in, and you could potentially get a bye. If you are Coastal Carolina, and versus they have no business in the playoffs. Well, okay, they'll have to win their first game. It'll be against the SEC or some Power 5 school. If they're not worthy, guess what? No problem. But at least they had, it's about equity and opportunity. Right now, this playoff system is not equitable, and there's not opportunity. And it also helps fix ball games. Think about this. I'm not a big fan of people, oh, the SEC had a terrible bowl record, and this conference had a great one. That's because most of the people in the SEC done checked out. They're not playing the ball game. You know what they're saying? I'm going to go get ready for the NFL. Yep. There's no incentive. You keep that PS5. You keep that uh, swag bag. I'm going to get ready to go make some hundred thousands to millions. I, it's not. There's no no importance to me to get hurt to sacrifice. Jalen, we saw Jalen Smith, right? Got hurt for the Cowboys in his ball game at Notre Dame. You keep seeing it. You, why do it? No, you saw you saw Florida, right? They yeah. five offensive players opted out. Kyle Trask couldn't throw the ball in the trash can that day because he didn't have nothing. No, like Oklahoma was impressive. <clears throat> Do you give me a, a team of all second, third stringers that don't even know they were being thrust into this role until a couple of weeks ago that hadn't played all season? We're all going to beat that team. So let's not, yeah. Well, I, I do remember that. somebody on this show just saying Oklahoma's defense looked good. And I just pointed that out that, hey, they played a bunch of JV dudes. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's one of those things where I need bowls to matter. So we also mm-hmm. need to look at you make this playoff using the bowls. So after you play your home games, that next round, you find a bowl game. I don't need every – if everybody's going to go to a bowl, let's make it worth it. That's all I'm saying. I'm uh, make it make it meaningful and equitable. Because think about it. The bowl games – I used to wait for bowl games, right? Like, it was like eight or nine bowls I wanted to see. Yeah. The college football playoff killed the bowl games. It should have been used the opposite way, right? Let's enhance bowl games. It's the – I mean, think about college football, right? The bowl season is a, is a big season, right? Mm-hmm. Now bowl season is just a term. We're like, oh, when is bowl season over so we can see the college football playoff on January 1st? They destroyed it. You put 12 in, that's a lot of games in different bowls. You bring the bowl season back. Well, it's, it's secondly, it's like, well, yeah, that's true. But I just I just want to see, like, imagine if the NCAA basketball tournament was just four teams and it was the ACC and I don't know. Let's say it was just Kentucky, Duke, Kansas and Michigan State every year. Like you, like what? No, they they actually put sixty eight teams in a tournament, and they go play this thing. Yes. This would make college football so tremendous. 
it'd be amazing. Yes. Well, we can't fix that all on this podcast, but we got it started. Let's talk a little bit more NBA. Brent, the season started. We're about 12 games in, um, 13 at the most. Lakers got 13 games in. It, it's weird, man. Like, I can't even really watch a full game. It's lackluster. It's boring. I need some more energy. It's dramatic. And maybe it's because I'm a Laker fan, and, and I, I will cop that. It's boring because, like, not that I know we're going to win or expect to win. It's because we're, we're winning, and I don't see anybody close. I'll give you a prime example. You look at the West. The worst record in the West is three and eight. The second best record in the West is eight and four. It's like a, everybody in the West is good. So any given night, anybody can win. It's very, it's very, very much parity. Then you look at the Eastern Conference. Best record in the East is seven and eight and four. Sorry, Milwaukee and Philadelphia. The next best record is Boston and Indiana at seven and four, seven and three. The worst record is two and nine. It's like, okay, you got teams if the playoffs are in today, the Charlotte Hornets would be in the playoffs at six and six. Orlando would be in at six and five. Like there's some traditional teams that have moved off that spot. Miami's not playing well. Toronto's not playing well. It, it it's one of those things where there's nothing jazzing up the season. So I, I don't know what to do for it. No, I'm with you. Right. Look, when I heard the NBA's coming back, I got excited, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. basketball's back. Yes, I got excited. I watched two games and I was like, I watched the twenty second, right, when they kicked off. And then I watched the Christmas Day games because I mean everybody kind of watched Christmas Day. That's it. That's Definitely. Excited, yeah. Right? That, yeah. MLK There's nothing else on. MLK exactly. Christmas. Exactly. I got excited. After that, I'm like, this is kind of boring. This is kind of boring. Lakers are dominant because of them. They made all the right moves right in off season. I'm like, Clippers are the Clippers, right? I expect the same thing from Paul George. I expect every year. Um, I'm like Brooklyn. I want to see. So I got excited first for Durant. Let me be honest. I'm like, oh, he's back. Let's see what he looked like. Him and him and Kyrie first two games came out like world beaters, right? Hitting every shot, looking great, shooting seventy percent. It was fun. I like, yeah, this is exciting. Then like, then I'm like, yeah, this is boring. The teams that we know are going to be there, going to be there. It's no fans in there. It's, it's nothing hype. It's almost like it started back too soon, right? I didn't get a real good chance to miss it. I mean, I was. I'm a Lakers guy. Well, I'm a LeBron guy, so I rock for the Lakers, right? I was still getting in championship gear that I ordered, still coming in. And they're like, oh, my shirt ain't going to be here from last year for season tip-off. It just, I just don't think the break was long enough. Well, but they did what they had to do, and, and I respect and get that. I'm not knocked that. I'm just saying there's there's a lot of things going on in basketball, right? Like, who's good? No, nobody's good. Like, they keep trying to sell me Zion Williamson. Did I mention to you the New Orleans Pelicans have a whopping record of four and six? Like, quit trying to sell me trash. Zion Williamson is not the second coming. So quit trying to sell that to me. I don't care about that. Um, OKC has a better record than New Orleans Pelicans, and they're trying to burn down the building. Other topics in NBA that I want to get your opinion on. Expansion. Can you imagine the NBA expanding? Right now, there's currently 30 teams. They're looking to expand two more teams. I don't know if you know this, but we know Seattle needs a team, right? What other city do you think should get a team? See, my one I was going to go to was Seattle. Because I'm Gary Payton, Sean Kennedy. Everybody, we don't got to go. We know why, right? I get that. Yeah. I'm trying to think who would be a good basketball state right now. Skip State. I'm talking business. It's got to be Vegas, baby. You got to put a team. Think about it. Vegas is the move. They already got hockey blowing up. You got the Raiders blowing up. They're eventually, potentially going to get MLS. They're potentially going to get MLB. You got to make the NBA's already behind. They should be the first ones there. You do summer league there. You know, you put a team in Vegas. That means you have that, that right now that puts you with 17 teams in the West, right? 
if Seattle and them comes back. So you have to move somebody over. I say you move Minnesota over to the east, and then they're closer to Detroit and Cleveland, all those teams, and you're good. But that would make a hellacious sense. And what I would do in the process of expansion, I would reduce rosters. Teams can't have more than 12 players on a roster. Because now, because the, the other issue is, is the NBA getting too saturated with mediocrity? There's a list that that was published on, uh, I want to say it's Real GM or Hoops Hype that I looked at, and it talked about the 31 players making over $100 million. When I looked at this list, Brent, some of these dudes shouldn't have been making $10 million. Like, it's like we're paying you because we have to, because if we don't pay you, we look cheap. And I'm tired of hearing that narrative. I want you to pay people $100 million because they're worth $100 million, not because you feel like you have to fill some void. I'm with you. No, I, I can't even go down a different path because, I mean, you, you broke it down how primed Vegas is for this, right? Vegas is primed. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense on every level, right? Crazy fans. You got the casinos. You got Vegas. Just think, mm-hmm. You know everything. And you got sports teams coming like the Raiders. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense. So There'll be never dull night. No, exactly. And that's what you want. NBA is probably the, it's the most fast-paced, exciting sport in the United States, right? So, you the city that built for that is Vegas. So, I get it. If I had to pick a state, uh, city or state outside of Vegas, right, mm-hmm. I would go Kansas City. And the only reason I'm going to Kansas City is they or one of those special small markets, right? They're kind of small market, but they kind of got like a Spurs vibe to them where the fans are die hard. Because you talk about Chiefs fans, that's one thing. I know a couple of Chiefs fans, and I watch the games, and Arrowhead, right, some of the records they broke for Loudest Stadium. The fans are crazy. So if you want the fan base, the fan base of Kansas City support, supports their sports. They remind me of a small market, Boston's, right? One of those teams mm-hmm. out of Boston, the fans are crazy. Boston's not small market, but they're crazy. Yeah. So Kansas City fits that for the fans' perspective, right? Because they're just crazy, diehard fans out there. Well, I got one to go along with that same thinking, and that's Nashville. Nashville's on the rise, right? Nashville's a city that it would you could pair it with Memphis, right? They'd be in the same area. The land is down the street. But Memphis is a city on the rise. It's got buzz to it. It's got the Titans, right? The They have the Nashville Predators. Speaking of which, not to digress or segue, but my man Brent said he's going to latch on and follow the Nashville Predators. We're both trying to get into hockey, right? Because hockey is one of the sports that we don't get to talk much about on this show. We won't probably ever delve too, too deep because we're still learning the game ourselves. But we picked two teams to follow. Last year, I picked the Kings. This year, he's picking the Nashville Predators. My Kings are supposed to be in tank mode, so I don't expect much for them. They play the Wild tonight. Brent's got the Nashville Predators. He's going to follow them. So we'll, we'll be filling you in a little hockey minute here and there. Put the soul on ice. There's a podcast out there and a Twitter handle. Go follow them. Uh, we just want to do that, too. So back to Nashville. It's one of those cities that's prime. Major League Baseball made me looking at Nashville. Uh, they're getting a soccer team in Nashville. So they've got buzz all around. It's young. It's hip. It's chic. It's chic. It's a town, right? Um, that That's, for me, that fits that area. I'm with you. Just a, a quick thing I'd say. I'm going to be the young Barry Melrose on this show. I'm going to be the hockey expert come soon. All right. Well, you <laughs> do joking, that for us, brother. <laughs> I'm joking. But I'll pick Nashville because they've never won, and you don't want to – you don't latch on to the Lakers if you're not a real fan. You latch on to a team that, you know, hadn't ever done it before. So it gives you something to root for, something to cheer for. So, so I'm going to roll with the Predators because of that. I just want I just want to see – if they can do something for the first time. I, I used, like it's because I became a fan and made it happen. Well, you will, I, and I get you. So for me, following hockey, it started with the Nashville. Well, actually, I lied. That started with, I started following hockey with the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Okay. Um, then I started following P.K. Subban, and he was with the Predators. And that's when I really got into it. And they had a really cool tradition. They threw the fish on the ice when they scored yeah. or whatever. So 
I was like, cool. But then he got traded. And I was like, all right. And then my, again, one of my colleagues was like, yo, man, he talked about hockey. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to pick a team, team. And so what I did was I threw like eight teams in a hat. I put Golden, the Golden Knights, uh, the Predators, the Kings, the Lightning, a couple other teams. Maybe they were even Canadian. And I pulled out the hat and it said LA Kings. And that's why I'm going with the Kings. And it just matches up. I got the Kings, the Lakers. We're good. But um, and I'm and I'm hoping I'm going to learn because, like I said, we had a nice draft pick this year, but they're not even bringing them up to the big team. They're keeping them down low because they're in a full tank rebuild mode. So hopefully, I'll get to learn more about hockey. I, I but think, think, go ahead. I'm going to say I think this will be fun. Think about the um, the my biggest fault is when we talk is NBA. Right, I'm biased to LeBron. I'm biased to the Lakers, and it's, it's you as well, right? We all are. But this sport, we're taking something with no bias and it's going to have yeah. fun. So we'll be speaking pure truth based on research and just facts. And that's what people, people are like that different take, right? So I think this could be fun because it's a different perspective we're going to give than typical. I agree. Hey, one, one thing we got to hit upon, we were just talking NBA and we, we, we did a segue real quick to, to fill y'all in, but I got to ask you, winners and losers of the Harden trade, who, who do you think the winners and losers are? So I'm only looking at, um, I'm not really looking at Indiana and Cleveland. I know they're involved. I'm, I'm going to look at the two direct teams that we're really talking about, right? So honestly, I think Houston was the biggest winner, right? Because, I mean, it doesn't matter what you got through. What Harden you weren't going to win. He didn't want to be there. DeMarcus Cousins, you saw what DeMarcus Cousins said the next morning. You saw what John Wall said the next morning. They were done with him. That They already cut him out at that point. You, you have to trade him. So they got picks to 2027. 20, they got all these first-round picks, right? They got more picks-wise than uh, the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis. Let That's not that. true. They got Because they only got four picks, and the rest are pick swaps. Yeah, okay, well. So, so I mean, it's not they just switch positions. Yeah, but it's till 2027 and the Pelicans is the 2025 though. So yeah, but, I mean they didn't yeah. get more, but they got more than they should have got, right? Cuz Anthony Davis to me is a bigger piece than Hart. That's that's my opinion. So they got a lot there. Ho- hold on though, hold on. I got to put a pin in that. There's no way they got more because you forget the Lakers gave up five people. I so, so that's no. I, I, but but here, I here's my point. Yeah, but the, but the, yeah, I well, okay. You yeah, you did, but I'm just saying, go ahead. I'll let you finish your thought because I got Yeah, no, because I'm not going into the – because they gave up a Brandon Ingram and people like that. So, yeah, no, the player level wasn't the same. So that's why I was focused on draft picks. But I think they got a lot of draft picks. I think the Oladipo swing, and that was good because I like Oladipo. I like the attitude he plays, but I like that. John Wall, Oladipo, Cousins, that could be a nice little um, nice little core. Put Marcus at the five, let Christian Woods get some time at the four because that dude has a high upside. I like Woods a lot. So I think Houston did better because, I mean, I don't think the Nets lost because you can't not go after James Harden, right? You can't not get a talent like that and go after it. So I get why they did it, and I think they should have did it. I don't think it'll work, but I don't think they lost, right? So I think it was a winner, a bigger winner out of the two, but I don't think either one of them really lost the trade. I think they both lost the trade because it was two desperate teams, desperate measures, dancing desperately together, right? If if there's everything called a one-night stand that you regret – this trade is it. And let me tell you why. Because you gave up Harden and you got absolutely nothing tangible. I don't care about draft picks. You don't know who's going to be good in 2020. Look at these recent drafts. Nobody's good. So when I look at the Pelicans and they got actual players they, they can build around or use as assets to get more players, that's a win. You just got Victor Oladipo, who, again, is not under contract after this year. That's a problem. And two, Victor Oladipo is always hurt, and he's a head case himself. Imagine this. Indiana jumps into it. What? We can get rid of Oladipo? Yeah, we'll take. To me, you have to look at Cleveland and Indiana. 
those two teams won. Two innocent bystanders made their team better. Two innocent by Indiana now picks up a Karis LeVert that's smooth as Gerald LeVert on the court. And so if I was Houston, now if you said Houston got Gerald LeVert, I'm with you. If you said Houston got Gerald LeVert and Torian Prince or Jared Allen, I'm with you. But you literally, this is almost as equal as the Spurs trading Kawhi Leonard for Jakob Pertle and DeMar DeRozan. You got nothing in return. Seriously. They had options, though. You said they were both. Oh, yeah, no, no. You No, the Rockets had options. Imagine this. In the beginning of the season, they could have made the same deal. And you know what Brooklyn was offering them? All the players that got traded and picks, they chose not to do it. Well, but that's what I mean. They were desperate because James Harden acted like he didn't lose 4-1 last year. He's like, oh, we can't beat them. We can't win. You couldn't win last year. You didn't say this. So he threw them under the bus on a level to where – out of respect for your other players, you have to do something quick, right? So Houston sat on this so long when Harden told him he didn't want to be there. He didn't even want to show up for the offseason, right? They knew, like you said, they should have did it before the season, but they sat on it so long, it got to the point where they didn't have many options. And well, I I, yeah, I'm saying I'm grading the deal. Like, I think they yeah, still had yeah. other options. Think about it. Hell, I would have taken Philadelphia's offer. I, I, that's what I'm that's – and, and I'm not a fan of Ben Simmons, but I'm saying, okay, at least you he got somebody – well, yeah, you, you got you, – I'm just saying, like, you got nothing in the deal. Yeah, Oladipo's okay. all you have to show for the James Harden. That's not good management. That's not good business sense. Oladipo's a free agent at the end of this yeah. year. He can walk. All they're saying is we hope the draft picks work out. But if you if that's your, if that's your, if your game plan, you don't really have a game plan, right? Because like ask, said, Bo- ask Boston how draft picks uh, work. Oh, I know. They're in the same boat as Boston. They're going to try to trade them away and what they're going to do with them and see how it works. But And let me ask you this. If Brooklyn – has a winning record or decent record, where are those picks going to be? No, I, that, no I'm they, didn't, they didn't get the picks from, unless unless I'm mistaken, these picks aren't like number one through five. Nope. nope. It's funny, we were talking about that yesterday. A couple of my friends text, what do you think? I put, they put the biggest pieces, these draft picks. I'm like, no, no, these draft picks are not going to pan out. I said, they got to draft first and hope they get a Taylor Horton Tucker that shows he's that good at a year or two, or they got to get a Kuzma that's a trade piece. You know, I'm not saying Kuzma's great, but th- th- your draft picks don't mean anything. They're going to have no. to draft well and hope and, they develop. And develop, trade. yeah. That's that's, that's a whole lot of hope and risk. Exactly. I, I, look, I, and I, also, look, we, I was talking about this earlier. I don't trust the NCAA basketball anymore. Like, yeah. right now they're pumping, oh, Luca Garza. The dude's like 25. Like, he should be good. Um Duke is terrible. So what does that tell you? Like Duke is a powerhouse. They should reload every year. Kentucky's terrible. Yeah. They get uh, one and done. So the state of college basketball is another issue we got to come talk about next episode. Yes. But that's a problem in itself. So when you say you got four draft picks, you got nothing. And you got Oladipo, who's a head case, who has been playing well, and he's often injured, and he could be a free agent at the end of the year. So in essence, you might as well just said, you know what? We're going to stretch wave Harden. Because you got nothing in return. I would have traded him to the Kings for a bag of chips and a ride on the train. I don't I don't he wouldn't have gone to New he wouldn't have gone to Brooklyn unless I would have extracted all that talent. Possible. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think they rushed. I'm saying for the panic mode button they hit the yeah. night they lost to the Lakers. They didn't have many options, but they but it blew up in their face. Basically, it was a self-inflicted wound, right? They they yep. kept sitting on Harden, letting this dude you you I mean. We know sports. The dude wasn't playing hard. He wasn't nope. engaged. He didn't care. He told you he didn't care. His actions and his words said he didn't care, but you kept holding on to it to a backfire in your face. Well, so yeah, try, was... trying to smooth it over or talk yourself into this going to be okay. We're going to find the right deal. So let me ask you this. What other trades do you see happening after this? Just off the top of the dome, nothing deep. 
I, I really I don't know who to who he should go to. I mean, I can give you a couple of contenders. I want to see Brett. I mean, no offense to Westbrook, right? I don't want to throw him under the bus and say leave Washington and leave him by himself. But I want to see Bradley Bill go somewhere where he can do something. The dude, what do you have sixty the other night? Mm-hmm. The dude can go, man. The dude a can loss. play. Washington's not winning anything. Anytime, not anytime soon, anytime, right? Unless some miracle happened, they trade and get Durant back home and blah, blah, blah. They're not winning anything, right? I want this man to get out of there because the dude can go. You put him on a team yeah. with some weapons, I, that's the one guy I want to see get traded. I mean, I don't know if it will. That's what I want to see. I, I can see Indiana tur- trading uh, Miles Turner now because they got yeah. they got some, they got, you know, a piece. Um, I could see Cleveland trading Andre Drummond because they got that's Jared nice. Allen and Torin Prince. And he's a he's a big piece. Um, Denver may have to make a move because their plan of letting people go isn't working out yet. It may take some time. I'll give them that. Um, we'll see. I mean, I don't see Bradley Bill getting traded because I don't see Washington letting him go. I think they right. can, they're going to see the season through, but maybe in the in the off season, you'll see something happen. But all in all, um, yeah, I just stay tuned for NBA. Something's going to happen we don't know about. Um, that's going to happen, but Hey, that's a wrap on this episode, baby. We back in 2021. We gave you what you needed. We gave you what you want. We definitely want to thank you for listening to the great flavor in your ear. It's always our goal to give you the lace in sports with our take on it. Always keep a lock to drop the mic sports talk. And to do that, all you have to do is subscribe to our show on your favorite platform. If you know what that is, that's either Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Anchor.fm. You can also connect with us on our social medias. That's Twitter, DTMST6, Instagram, DTM underscore ST, Facebook, DTM Sports Talk. If you want to hit Brent up on his email, it's Brent.SportsTalk at gmail.com. Um, and you can also hit our regular email dtm.sportstalk at gmail.com it's always been a pleasure to hear y'all talk we'll see you when we see you on the flip side brent you got anything for the fans hey i just like you said we're back you gave them the twitters you gave them the different social medias you gave them uh different platforms you gave my email hey this is 2021 we want we coming back strong like i said we didn't go away we just took a hiatus hey gotta let the sports get a little bit hotter hey jump on these uh social medias and the emails talk to us let us know what you want to hear, what you think about what we're saying. Hey, y'all bring even more flavor than we already dropping if y'all come back and respond to us. So, hey, get out here with us in 2021. Peace. Drop the mic, yeah.